You're listening to Market Scale Software and Electronics. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I'm having a conversation with Christopher Lafayette, the founder of the Armada. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing good, Sean. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Let's start off with a little history, shall we? Tell me a little bit about your journey and what exactly brought you to found the Armada. You know, I come from a family of people of technology, and, you know, from my earliest years, I'd just been involved in just looking at the building of and the exploration of technology so all, all over, you know, even from even when my days when I was younger and living in Texas, you know, looking at Texas instruments <laughs> and migrating over to Silicon Valley and growing up out here. Um, I always had uh, a fondness uh, for technologies and how they operate and how they work. Um, and it wasn't until I came into my adult years when I was able to be able to explore uh, even deeper uh, the multiple amounts of different platforms that make up this, what I call the massive eco-habitat, uh, these micro-ecosystems, you know, from virtual and augmented and extended reality and mixed reality, if you will, to artificial intelligence, telepresence, roboticisms. Um, you know, you start looking at um, what's happened just in the last 10 years, and it's, 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 there's been some serious high scale um, by way of this information age that we've been in. And so one of the things I've also noticed is that during the recession or the last recession that we had, um, there were a lot of what we call co-working platforms and hacker spaces that began to evolve because a lot of people just couldn't afford proper workplace in an office and the system that we had set up uh, for industries horizontally, if you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, or, you know, just a team of people that came together and bootstrapped on a budget to be able to create a, a startup, um, you need a place to work well, besides a coffee shop, a cafe, a Starbucks, and you needed resources and tools. And you also want to work with people that are around you. And so we saw this, and one of the things I noticed here in Silicon Valley is that there wasn't the biggest and the best opportunity that I saw available for those in the tech-specific space to come together on a daily basis to collaborate and to build and to meet and to go through lightning rounds and to be able to show uh, and share with others what you've been working on. Now, there were spaces and there are spaces out here that exist that are just like that. Um, one, I don't believe that they have enough curriculum, um, education and classes, and you have some that are just like that. But the bigger thing that we're, are fo that we're focused on at the Armada is we're creating several of these co-working exclusive tech platforms that will communicate with, with, with one another, what I call the hacker road. And it's simply just being able to communicate and build together and meet stream technology and immersive technology, um, and, Put on your HMD, and let's say you're in Dallas at Armada, and you have a head-mounted display set here in Silicon Valley, where we could get a conversation happening in human eye resolution with full haptic feedback handshakes, uh, where you could teach whole classes instead of being limited to the space that you have in front of you right from where we're standing at at any given Armada. And anybody can chime in and come into your class that's, that's obviously signed up. And so the idea is to be able to expand uh, uh, 
the presence of technology and Armada to build uh, uh, and learn and grow. And so we're not an incubator, we're not accelerator, um, but we do work with incubators. We do work with accelerators. We're kind of pre-acceleration, pre-incubator. And helping some platforms go from uh, lab to market or some that are in their alpha or some that just have some good ideas. So we're open to work. Now we could, you now we will be entertaining those that and hosting those that are well into their first seed or in their series A. And it's still a place for them to come together, to be able to work and to be able to build um, and to continue to learn in their cycle as they progress and grow and get the adoption that they need uh, to scale their platform. So we're really excited about this. We're going to have all full holodeck systems on board and, for those that may not know what those are, it's basically a place where you can demonstrate virtual reality. You can pitch uh, to investors, show off to your audience, uh, and give a proper demo or even experience someone else's demo right within our hollow stations. And so um, they're going to be loaded to the hill, super fast, blazing Wi-Fi, uh, the very latest of technology. Uh, we feel really good about that. I want to take a moment to talk about the creative side of the equation. How do you think the rapid advancements in the technological aspects of AR, VR, mixed reality, how do you think those advancements are affecting or helping accelerate the development on the creative side? I think it accelerates. I still think we're in a huge uh, data gathering session right now, if you will, or cycle. Uh, I think when you start to look at uh, the advent of artificial intelligence in where we've been to where we are now, contemporary. Uh, what I see is these two massive emergent systems coming together and essentially in the immersive structure is what we call a simulated sentient platform, actually. Within this simulated sentient platform, these AI cognitive um, machines will be governing the whole um, individual platform of whoever you know, put this thing together. So in other words, we won't have one dominant, we most likely won't have one dominant um, immersive uh, expanse. We'll have multiple. You know, there'll be some that are decentralized in decentralization when it comes to um, blockchain. There's some that are going to be uh, centralized. Uh, but most of them will be governed by AI at some point. And so the data that you and I give to Siri and Bixby and to Cortana and to all these other smart systems that are out there, that's being aggregated to be able to help build and refine these dirt deep uh, neural networks and this deep learning. So for machine learning. So it plays a huge part. I think it's the, it's one of the, it's, 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 it's the, it's part of the workable engine from how these uh, systems will function, whether that's AR or VR. Um, MR is going to be a little bit different, um, but it kind of, I, I think that's going to be more human interactive um, in the beginning, but ultimately, I mean, be able to create a simulated construct environment, landscape, plane. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, created by the actual uh, sentient being. I mean, I'll be able to go and essentially recreate and duplicate 
uh, let's say Game of Thrones and I could create my own episodes, you know, and if I wanted to build my own POV and, and have a gated entry for people to be able to come in and, and explore my version of a Game of Thrones, if you will, and, and complete CGI interface, uh, VFX effect. So what takes, let's say HBO nine to 10 months to build for one scene that you and I enjoy for a couple minutes, we can have our AR, excuse me, our AI, um, sentience create in the course of, uh, eight to nine hours or half a day, if you will. So they'll be able to do that. And now does this, is this a disrupt to take away, you know, people say, Oh gosh, it's going to take away. No, the jobs because the creative form AI won't supersede the, the mind and the intellect, uh, that of a human and the design capabilities of, of a human. Cause we see that now demonstrated in the general apps that we use now. An artist is going to, you know, you and I could pick up an art app or a design app and, you know, and it can be more functional for us that may not be artists and designers in that, in that respect. And we may be able to create something pretty cool, but an artist, most likely a designer uh, by nature will be able to create something and demonstrate something much more better and produce something much more better than we can. And so the AI systems are still learning from us and they'll continue continually need to be learning from us as far as gradual understanding and updating in their systems. Well, that's going to be human derived from which ideas um, are coming from to intersect to their database for learning and understanding. And they'll be able to be adoptive. And so you'll have whole teams that are giving information and inputting it to an AI system to be able to build out what it is that they want instead of them having to do necessarily all the drawing schematic layouts and putting that all together. They'll be able to accelerate that and in exchange, it'll be able to refine storytelling, update better storytelling, and create more vast expansion within gaming systems and traditional uh, non-gaming systems. Do you feel that technologically we have the the processing power necessary to present a smooth VR? No, I absolutely believe that it exists now. And you speak to one of the biggest obstacles and hurdles that I think VR faces uh, every single day. Um, when you're dealing with from my perspective, and that's not to say other people don't see it, but I have a unique perspective because I am a VR AR discoverer. Um, I do get presented and shown things from people around the world every single day at new technologies that other people don't know exist. It's one of the reasons why I built the immersive directory. Uh, the immersive directory was my idea in terms of how can I be able to tell people all the stuff that I'm seeing? Because if they knew that each other existed and came together, you've got just that platform that you're speaking of and that we have to go and be able to, it's, it's really come. I mean, if you look at what Apple's doing, if you look at Google, Samsung, my, they're, they're going through heavy acquisitions of all different types of platforms. They're in search mode to say, okay, these guys, this crew has this over here and this person has over here or this solopreneur, uh, here's this lady here that built an absolute robust and super um, uh, incredible uh, zero latency uh, platform to be able to integrate to what we're doing for our immersive platform. Yeah, let's let's buy that. Let's give you know her $30 million. You know, Let's get this team over in Varjo in Poland who's created high human eye resolution. Let's get them for $30 million. And so the pieces out there actually exist. We've been in a 24-month 24 24 month cycle of hardware right now we're in our last year 
of real strong hardware that's getting ready to come out. Is the problem is, is we don't have enough content to complement the good hardware that's coming out. Now, as far as latency issues on a Wi-Fi level, all that's going to have to be figured out. You know, we're going to even quicker 5G speeds. Um, that's coming. That's in the pipeline. And for the very most part, it's just about here. And so I think on an individual, on a micro level, instead of having to, you know, we're going to start seeing a lot of action come with some standalone platforms that we're excited with Oculus and um, Vive and all these other you know, platforms are coming out with. But we have to keep in mind um, the feasibility. What's the realistic, you know, output, you know, frames per second. So there's so many things that we have to look at still to analyze. But do I think it's out here now? I do. But it's scrambled eggs and it's very abstract. And until we have the right type of, um, I think, corporate platform that can afford to aggregate, unless, unless platforms decide to come together and really kind of take a Shenzhen approach. You know, one of the things I do uh, like about what they do in Shenzhen, China, you know, they're, they're one of the hardware capitals of the world, if you will, is that they have a very unique open source system. They're saying, yeah, I built this, but here you can have it, and it helps you accelerate to become a billionaire or a millionaire. Great, congratulations, and to build out your product. Well, the same person that built that, um, you know, they're left with just, you know, maybe the satisfaction, known or unknown, uh, of helping to be able to contribute to something much bigger. The thing with Silicon Valley is that we have our cards too close to our chest. And so everybody has these proprietary assets, and that's fine, and I can appreciate that. But at the same time, there's a lot of tech that's not being used by a lot of our amazing minds that are out here that I know that if some crews or some companies had access to it, so many more people can benefit. And that's in the millions. So I think, you know, becoming more open, you know, more Git depositories, things like that. Great. Fantastic. But, yeah, I do think that it exists now. Well, I definitely think that the open source concept is really going to help drive the acceptance of standardization. Yeah. And I think once we achieve standardization and everyone agrees on the ground rules, right. then I think that's when we probably make the next giant leap forward as far as virtual reality. Yeah, well, it is, but to, to what success? I mean, because right now, let's take augmented and virtual reality. You know, there's a fierce debate going on. Some say, well, it's all the immersion. It's all XR. I get it. But we, we as, we as creators of these, of these technologies have to remember that there's a vast consumption audience out there that don't look at it the way that we look at it. They don't look at it as a whole as the immersion to some degree. They look at it. Okay. This is augmented reality or just virtual reality. And so you have Apple and, you know, even Google just, you know, the other day is like, okay, now we've opened it up to a hundred million more people to be able to use augmented reality on our devices and devices that are out there that use Google software. And so I think we have to define what's going to be the front runner. I believe that is augmented reality. Well, here's what I believe. I believe that of AR, VR and MR, MR is the champion, but augmented and virtual reality will win and they will win big it just has to come in a linear succession now it's it will be precipitous in terms of people using this platform and that at psvr and your apple iphone for your augmented apps but augmented reality in terms of where the marketing dollars go 
whoever controls the narrative, that industry is that's what's going to be next. And right now, I believe that that's AR. But you have films like Ready Player One that are coming out that could vastly change the narrative. Depends on how good Steven Spielberg made it and Ernest Klein's novel, uh, novel writing. So we don't know yet. I think with the I think by summertime we will know whether AR VR will be the dominant. Uh, moving forward now to this, to, in terms of it being, you know, the standard and, and people coming together, um, and point well taken from your end. So let's step out of virtual reality and back into the real world for a moment for my final question. And that is, there is one interface that is going to continue to be the primary determining factor in the success of VR, AR, or mixed reality, and that is the human eye. Tell me about your feelings with regard to the way that sensor has to be approached as the final factor? You know, that's, I think that question alone, when you talk about the human eye and its perception, you know, it's always been from my understanding, we don't necessarily see with our eyes, but our brain interprets the imagery that we see. Um, <laughs> I think when you look at, I mean, that's such a ubiquitous question because there's so many ways, you know, one can answer it. When you really look at uh, technology for what people are taking in as far as attraction and appeal uh, and what their eyes can handle when it comes to um, visually anything, um, whether it's harmful to the eye, whether it's Received well for the eye, whether it compliments that, that minute piece could be at the moment one of the biggest factors in our whole and determinate factors in the success of a whole industry is can people go long term or even short term of all ages? and enjoy this technology that we create visually. Because that's, right now, it's, it is a problem. Um, there are a lot of companies that are out there doing things to solve them. Again, I bring up Varjo and Poland, you know, it's rumored to you know, be power-packed with human eye resolution technologies. Um, you know, what Apple will do with it, I can't tell, nor can anyone else except for Apple. Um, but that will that will change the narrative because right now a lot of what we do is avatar based. Yeah, but now if we're talking about eye to eye resolution, you know, now we're talking about almost telepresence and really astral projection to some degree, um, intangible astral projection. But if we're talking about the use of nanotechnology, now it could be tangible astral projection. So I mean, that dives off into something deeper. But I think. Uh, I think the wisdom of your question really speaks to um, an answer that a lot of very smart people are working hard every day to, to figure out. I am definitely looking forward to that. And as soon as you figure out a way for me to be able to play NBA 2K in virtual reality, because let's be honest, that's probably the only way I'm ever going to dunk a basketball. As soon as you figure that out, you yeah. let me know and I'll be sure, there. Sean, all good. Let you know, you'll be one of the first people we invite uh, to our open. We're, we're working with the AWE conference right now, which is a fantastic conference, and we're going to be hosting 
some of the after after parties and some stuff that are going on. So if you're in the area or whenever you're here on business or pleasure, uh, you're always welcome to come by. I will absolutely take you up on that. Today, I've had the pleasure of talking to Chris Lafayette, the founder of the Armada. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Sean. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.